0: This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Amen. All right, let's get started. We're in week number two of a, uh, a series we started called Game Plan. Everyone say Game Plan. And Cowboys kick off in a couple hours. So, uh, we're, yeah, come on, somebody. And uh, we'll we'll get you out of here on time to watch the game. It's funny during football season, people choose their service due to the game. Heck, I do too. I don't know who's preaching third service, but uh, game plan. Everybody say game game plan. And then right underneath it, living for God in today's culture. The purpose of this series is to try to just find find that balance. Last last week we talked about a balanced approach. We want to find that balance, how to live for God in difficult days, in difficult seasons, and, and live for God well. And, and the thing is, I see two weird extremes in Christianity right now. There's one extreme over here where you where you, you know, if you're gonna live for God in today's culture, you've got to be mean. You gotta be mean. You gotta treat people mean. You gotta judge everybody. You gotta point your finger at everybody, you gotta be hateful. Well, man, that's jacked up. And then you swing all the way over here, though. If you're gonna live for God in today's culture, you can't really live for God in today's culture. You're gonna have to compromise all of your belief systems. You're gonna have to shelf the word of God, and you're just gonna have to believe that everybody. Loves everybody, loves everybody. Well, that, that's 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 unfortunately that's just not grounded in the in the word of the Lord. So there's a balanced approach. And if you weren't here last Sunday, I really would encourage you to listen to the message. It's on our app and online, both of the same domain findings. Calvary FTW. So uh, ftw.com or ftw in your in your search for your, your app. But you'll find I think you can live for God strong. You could stand for him firmly and strongly, but you can also love strongly. Here's the deal, man. Um, I I just keep reiterating it. It's God's plan for you to have a whole bunch of friends that are not believers. Now, I know that's kind of, man, the pastor wants me to have a whole lot of friends that are not believers. Yeah. Yeah, I do. That's what Jesus did. So love God, love people, and, and don't choose your friends based on their religious or philosophical viewpoints now obviously we're built up stronger when we're running and rolling with people that reinforce our belief system but we're not called we're not called to be insulated from the world Christians we're called to be effective and and to be life-giving people and and for those that may not You know, may not accept what I'm saying. You know, Jesus spent a lot of time with people that didn't believe in him. And they ended up loving him over it. And uh, I think that's our job. John John, 17, verse 15 through 16. This is what Christ prayed about you and about me. He prayed, my prayer is not that you take them, which is all of us, the church believers. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one." They're not of the world, even as I'm not of it. Here's, here's an old uh, preacher way of saying it. I'm, I believe that all of us are called to be in the world, just not of it. So how are we to live? We're to live with these two things uh, flipped on at all times in our life. Number one, we should be salt in every environment. We should make things better. We should make things better. So the bland. Relationships at work, at school, in our community. Let's 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 spice things up with our with our with our way of living. Let's not be weirdos about things. Let's just make things better. Always look to make things better. And then the second thing is to be light. Always wanting to make things brighter. So what are our roles? Let's make some things better. Let's make our families better, jobs better, schools better. And uh, we do that by what? Judging people? No. By being mean? No. By loving people. And then we're going to make things brighter by, by uh, compromising our beliefs? Absolutely not. By denouncing our faith? Lord, no. By being proud of who we are in Jesus and showing the world that there, there, there is a better way. And that's the, that's the Christ way. Somebody say amen. So today we're, we're going to our second week of this. And I'm going to give you three things that I want you to commit to It's literally going to be the last three minutes of this message. I'm going to preach a little while, kind of making my case, and then I'm going to ask you to come into agreement with me and make these three promises to God, and I'm going to call them the I wills. So today is I will. Let's get started here. From the very first book in the Bible, as we learned last week, it's not in chronological order, but the first book that's placed in your Old Testament Is the book of beginnings. It's known as Genesis. And in the third chapter of that book, we find Satan telling a lie to Adam and Eve. And there's a lot to this lie. It's not just words, there's a lot of depth to the lie told. And it's a lie that's still being told today. So God creates this beautiful, lush garden called Eden. And he has this beautiful man named Adam. From his rib, he forms this beautiful lady named Eve, and he says, the world's yours. You can have anything you want. I give it all to you. I created this for you. You are my creation, and I love you, and I bless you with everything here. There's nothing off limits except just one tree. There's just one thing I ask you to uh, to, to stay away from, and, and, and there's a reason for it. I just want you to trust me with this. There's one thing and one thing only. That, that is that is not for your pleasure, and here comes Satan. And Satan in Genesis three verses one through five, I chose to read this through the New Living Translation. Satan in verse four says, "Hey, uh, what is what's up with this one tree? Why can't you why can't you go there and eat that?" And they reply to him in his inquiry, and they tell him, because we'll die. And here's the lie, everybody. Satan says with major confidence, you won't die. I mean, come on. God's not going to kill you over this. You won't die. Don't even worry about it. You won't die. You're stressing over something you shouldn't be stressed about. You won't die. And he goes on to say, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And then he says something that's just rather, it's just amazing that that we overlook it sometimes. He says, your eyes are going to be open the moment you eat it and you will be like God. You will be like God. I know that he created you and he's the creator and you're the creation, but You eat that, you'll be like God, and you'll know both good and evil. Well, guys, this is the root of the issues at hand in today's culture. If we wanted to get a little fancy, theologically speaking, this is the Adamic nature that each and every one of us struggle with. It's what your struggles, your your kids struggle with. So when when your kid takes mac and cheese and slings it across the room at the restaurant, it's not just because he's a little punk. He's got the Adamic nature. (laughs) And when your dad comes home from work and and you present to him your your report card and the reason he slams his mac and cheese up against the wall, (laughs) it's his Adamic nature. And some people in the room might be thinking damning nature. It just depends on how you view it. But it's Adamic meaning it's rooted in Adam's decision of disobedience. We all have it. We all have this element of disobedience. The problem that we're dealing with today's culture though is that the enemy's doubled down on this. And and he's, and he's not content with just eating the fruit in the garden. Now he's got his foot in the door in each and every one of our lives And now we have disobedience at greater measures than ever before, which has a fallout for it. They were expelled from the garden. But look at what what happens just on the heels of this. Genesis 11. That was in chapter 3. Genesis 11. We have a whole new group of people that are dealing with the Adamic nature. and, And this is what it is. It's rooted in this. That I become greater, God becomes less. I elevate myself, what did Satan say? You're going to be like God. I'm going to increase myself, decrease God. I'm going to promote myself, I'm going to demote God. I'm going to to rise up, he's going to be lowered down. Well, this is what happens in Genesis 11. They said, come on, come on everybody, let us build ourselves a city. Who's going to build it? We are. Who are we building it for? Ourselves. And then he goes on to say, because uh, we want it to be for ourselves so that we might make a name for ourselves. So here we are. I mean, it's all about us. We're going to make a name for ourselves. And verse number 9, that's why it was named Babel. We use the word these days like, oh, bless his heart. Look, he's just babbling away. Bless her heart. She's just a babbler. She's just babbling and if you read the scriptures further, and, and that's where confusion came into the whole world. Confusion. Everybody say confusion. confusion. Now, if you were here last Sunday or if you've listened online, um, the world we're living in is, is today's culture. There's a lot of confusion. And, and the reason is I, I, I don't have the time. I, I spent way too much time on this in the 830, and it, and it ended up really being a bad sermon. So uh, I don't want to repeat that. It was awesome. So, everybody say the word order. 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 Anytime that you purposely or accidentally alter the order of God, there will be the results of confusion. Here's a few examples, and I promise you, this is not sexist, this is not gender biased. This is not chauvinistic, so I don't want none of your, none of your mess from this statement. <laughs> but there is an order in the home. There's parents and there's children. When the home is being ran by the children, we're out of order. When the children are calling the shots, we're out of order. Now, now I think that in all fairness, if my wife could... She would tell you that, that, that I, I do my dead level best to practice what I preach when I talk about equality. Um, I, I am a huge proponent of it. I, I don't think that a husband's any more important than a wife, nor is a wife more important than a husband. But I will tell you in the word of God, not my opinion, there is an order of a home of husband and wife. Both have to carry the weight. Both have influence. Both have authority. Both have say so. I get it. But I will tell you, in the word of the Lord, there is an order of the home when it comes to husbands and wives. There's an order there. And when you get those roles out of whack, there's confusion. There's order in the church of the living God. There's order there. When you get those orders out of whack... When, when, a, when, you know, like for an extreme example, okay, there's, there are these extremes in America where there's, a, where there's a group of people that literally demand preachers to preach what they want to hear preached. Well, there's no point in having a preacher if you're going to tell him what to preach. You just, you just need to be a preacher. There's, there's an order to things. Well, what I'm trying to say is this. When we as the creation of God build ourselves up greater than the Creator, we bring on confusion. When we feel like there's no need for a handbook, there's no need for an authority figure over our lives, we create confusion. And that's why we're living in confused days. And it goes on further. Even in the middle of your Bible, that was the book of Genesis, but even the the prophetic book of Isaiah, chapter 47, there's a reference to this very same thing. The heading of this chapter 47, by the way, if you look in your Bible, more than likely it's going to say something similar to the fall of Babylon. Babel is is where we get Babylon. Babylon, if you were here last Sunday, is where the book of Daniel is based on, and we're going to get there shortly. Babylon, the fall of Babylon, right here in Isaiah 47, and this is why... The fall came, and this is why there was such great confusion in it. Watch this now. It says, you lover of pleasure. Boy, is that not the day we're living in. You lover of pleasure, lounging in your security and saying to yourself, I am and there is none besides me. You know, there's only one person that that statement's reserved for, and it's not you. And it's definitely not me. Only God can say I am that I am and there's none besides me. But in our culture, what we've done is we've built up this, this, this mindset in our flesh that, that we're so important that we can say there's none besides me. Are you, are you following what I'm saying today? So we, we, we progress and to verse number 10 in Isaiah, it says, that, and I'm, I'm going to use some air, everybody look up at me. I'm going to use my little, this is a sarcastic air quote that I put around scripture because it, it, it very well could have been there if it was in modern context. Your wisdom and your knowledge have misled you when you say to yourself, I am, and there's none beside me. Have you ever heard somebody? Uh, Maybe take a shot at someone and say, well, he's just too smart for his own good. We as a culture have become too smart for our own good. We, we've eaten of that tree of knowledge. And the Adamic nature in us, our eyes have been opened, we think, to what's good and bad. And now we're calling the shots for our lives. And we think we know it all. And then it's even on into the book of Revelation, and I'll hasten here. On to the book of Revelation, at the very end of your Bible, it speaks of Babylon and and, and it's, and its great issues in the world. So let's talk about this lie that Satan has told throughout history and is telling today. What happens when you take the bait, hook, line, and sinker, that you're greater than the Creator? I'm going to use one word, and it's going to be a strong word for the rest of our day. It creates insanity. Insanity. And I'm not talking about the cuckoo that's lost its mind. Unfortunately, our world is is troubled with with mental illness and and sickness, and, and, and I'm not touching that in this sermon. What I'm talking about is the insanity of humanity that literally thinks that we as creation know more than our Creator. It's insanity that we think that we can do life in this modern era without the authority of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's ultimate insanity. And this is what happens. This lie, this insanity, it, it, it breeds into that we elevate self. All right, I've got, I brought my phone up here uh, during this message. And everybody take out your smartphone if you've got one, if you have a smartphone with a camera built in. And uh, here's, here's what we do. We elevate self to the point, everybody got your phone out, that we're self-adoring. Everybody take a selfie real fast. Center section only. Give me a what's up. Ready? One, two, boom. Self-adoring. Now, some of you are like me. You've got little alligator arms, and you struggle. Anytime I do a selfie, it's hilarious because I'm like, I can't quite get it out there where I need it for my little fat neck and face, and I'm just like. Then there's others of you. You don't have your glasses on, so you're like. But here's the funny one, and I'm a, I'm just gonna pop all of you because all of you've done it. You change the moment you get into the camp. You you all of a sudden, your lips become twenty size bigger than whether they're. they're I don't get it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And then all of us, hey, all of us that have like little little weight issues, we go. And then the hot one right now is the. It's like your legs not even in the picture, but you got that leg out. Like, you, like you're doing something with it. Self-adoring. We are definitely living in a day of self-adoration. It's all about me. Uh, He's not a great former cowboy, but he is a former cowboy, Terrell Owens. He even had a shirt made up that said, I love me some me. And then we got rid of him. It's all about me. Me, 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 me. It's all about me. This is my world. You're lucky to be living in it. It's all about me. Self adoring. And then we have this issue in this culture with self building, where we build ourselves up bigger than what we really are. Turn, some of you have been begging me to do this in the church service, and here's your chance. You've been wanting to do this for 10 years. Here's your moment. Turn to the one next to you and say, you're not that big of a deal. Feels good, don't it? Tell them again. Say, you're not that big of a deal. Some of you are scared to say it because they think they're such a big deal that you're going to have therapy for a month. Newsflash, wake up. You're not that big of a deal. But in the culture we're living in, boy, we build ourselves up. Us men in the room, we think that we're, we're self-made men. Well, I did that for 30 years of that job. I did that. I started that business. I, I married that woman. Those are my kids. And it's all about me. I, I'm self. I'm building myself up bigger. Man, no, you're not. You put your britches on just like everybody else. You're not that big of a deal. And then the big one, the most critical thing that we're dealing with in today's culture with, with Satan's lie as we build ourselves up is we're in a self-indulging world. Whatever makes me happy. I don't care if it hurts you. I don't care if it, it burns you. I don't care if, if, it, if it goes against everything I believe because my beliefs are not near as important as my feelings. I'm self-indulging. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little pastoring here. Give me a few minutes. It's not in my notes, but when I got into it in that 830 service, I instantly knew I needed to do it in this one in the 1130. Unfortunately, I've, I've, I've been in the room with way too many couples that are discussing Divorce. And this self-indulging issue is a lot of the times, it's a a lot of the times, it's the root. And and, and again, I don't want your stinking text about me being chauvinistic because this is not. Because I'm going to bust us some men here in a minute. That's so redneck. I'm going to bust us some men. Like, (laughs) What preacher talks like that? That's just dumb. But all the ladies, listen to me. This is what happens. I've heard it over and over again. And it's the work of the enemy against the family. This is the culture we're in. Well, Pastor Tommy, it's, what, what, why do you want to leave him? Well, I'll be honest with you, Pastor Tommy. I have poured myself out into this family. I've raised these kids. I've made their lunches. I've taken them to ball practice. And he's been off doing his thing. It's my time now. It's time for me to live. And then the next thing you know, you have beautiful marriages that are crumbling because now she's doing the after work parties on Friday night. Now they're doing girl, girls trips to Vegas all of a sudden. Because I've got, her, I've, I've got my time now. I need, to, I need to live some too. These kids are having all this and he's off doing this and that. And I can tell you right now, it's a work of the enemy. Now, real quick, before anyone misunderstands me no one works any harder than a mother and a wife and she needs her some her time but when the enemy comes into your mind and into your heart and gets into your spirit and makes you feel like you're being mistreated and overlooked for the roles of a godly wife and mother what he's done is he's going to elevate you higher than the role that God's called you in in this season And you, in a matter of an emotional moment, make decisions that literally can break a family apart. So for the fellas in the room, it's the very same situation where if we don't want to deal with that, then we better not put fuel on that. Denora, you sit quietly while I preach. So in hunting season, we need to be home some, some, some. Some, hum, some, home, some, home, some, some, some. Fishing season, we need to be home, some. I'm being silly. In a serious moment, we bring this on ourselves in this culture. Because the same thing that's driving the mentality of her needing her some time, we chalk it up. Well, I've worked all week, and I've been doing this all week. And I need me some hunting time. I need some fishing time. I need some golfing time. I need some 215 Dallas Cowboy kickoff time. Better hurry preaching. I need me some me time. Everybody say self. Self. Indulging. That's why we eat too much. That's why we spend too much. That's why we go too much. That's why we do too much. Because we think it's all about me. It's the culture we're in. But here's the big one. Every time you elevate yourself higher, you're demoting God lower. You higher, Him lower. You increase, He decreases. You can't elevate yourself and elevate God. God can't play that game. So as you increase and you think you, you're important and and you are calling the shots in life, He's taking back seat. He's reading between the lines where he fits in your heart. And that's where the enemy makes you start asking questions like this. He can't be for me. If God was for me, he would let me be who I am. He would let me do what I want to do. He would let me experience what I want to experience. And then in reference to last week's sermon... Concerning the changing of names, you'll have thoughts like, well, God can't be for me. He's the one that, if, if, if God was for us, he wouldn't let those earthquakes kill those people. And those tornadoes rip through those neighborhoods. And, and those mass shootings take place. Where's God? He's where we left him. That's where God is. Right. Yeah. We chose to take the steering wheel. Yeah. We've chosen that we know good and bad. We've chosen In disobedience that we call the shots. But when trouble hits, we want him to step back in. You can't have both. I'm preaching better right now than you're Amen. Thanks for the golf clap. God wants to be the Lord of all. Here's the problem. If he's not the Lord of all, he's not the Lord at all. He doesn't play that game with you. And in our culture, culture says, I don't, I don't mind you going, going to a church. I don't, that's no problem. You can go to a church. Just don't make him the Lord of all. Because you don't, you don't need him to be the Lord of all. You don't want him in your, in your finances. It's your money. You don't want him in your marriage. It's, it's your private world. Just, just make him a part of your tradition. Make him a part of your, it's okay if you make him even a routine. Okay, you want to be in a small group? Fine, go be in a small group. But don't, don't, don't build authentic relationships because nobody really needs to know everything about you. Watch this. To Daniel. The book of Daniel chapter 4. This insanity is revealed to us in Nebuchadnezzar. If you were here last week, you remember he's the king that that took over the people of God. And now they're his slaves, and he's messing with them and their belief systems. And and Nebuchadnezzar's got, he's sitting on the top of the world. And the Bible says in in, in Daniel 4, chapter uh, 4, verse 4 rather. Sorry, I got a little confused. 4 and 4. It says that he was at home taking it easy in his palace. Without a care in the world, this guy's got his feet up, he's got a bowl of Bluebell, he's got some peach cobbler, he's got Sunday afternoon golf on. This guy's living the dream. And he falls asleep. And he has a dream. And in the dream, and I'll paraphrase, I'll make it a quick summary. Matter of fact, I'll have our worship team come on up and help me close today. Here's how we're going to be ending this service. I want you to go ahead and get comfortable with it now. We're going to be ending today with some big some big worship, some big praise and worship. So so you're going to understand this in a moment when I give you the three I wills. But before we get there, this is what it's based on. In his dream, Nebuchadnezzar has a vision of a tree. It's not some little Bradford pear. It's not a crepe myrtle. It's a gigantic, massive tree. That's so big that it reaches into the sky and everyone everywhere can see this tree and its grand presence. It's got so much fruit that it literally is the provision for all things. Wildlife, humanity. It's so big that it's the shelter for all things. But then his dream shifts, and a voice from heaven says, cut that tree down. Cut it down to a stump. Leave its roots, but cut it to a stump. And that proud tree is going to live in the wilderness with all other creation." It's going to be saturated with the dew of earth. And he wakes up and he's startled by this dream because it makes no sense to him. And Duel, this is what Nebuchadnezzar said. He said, somebody bring me somebody smarter than me that can tell me what this dream means. And this person didn't know. That person didn't know. And he said, wait a minute. There was that boy, Daniel. I changed his name to Belteshazzar. You remember him? I made him my little girl. Go get him. See if he can interpret this dream. And Daniel walks in and he says, King Nebuchadnezzar, I got good news and bad news. The bad news is this dream you've had about this gigantic, crazy, awesome tree, that's you. You've become such a force You have so much authority and influence. But the bad news, Nebuchadnezzar, is God is going to cut you down. And He's going to cut you to the point that you're going to eat grass like a cow. And you're going to live like an animal. And you're going to lose your authority. You're going to lose your influence. You're going to lose your kingdom. And you're going to be like a wild, insane maniac stuck in the woods. A man that's lost it all. Until you come to your senses. And God makes you this promise. In your dream, He left the stump. And He left roots. He's not going to uproot you. He's going to give you a chance for you to come to your senses. And when you do, He will restore to you everything you've been that, that He will take away from you. And Nebuchadnezzar just, thank you, Daniel. Daniel leaves. And this proud, insane man that's got the world by the tail thought, ah, he's, he's crazy. He's been, he's been, uh, not, no way it's possible. And for 12 months, he never changed his ways. And one day, this cat walks out, and he looks across his vast land And he gets his moment of peacock feathers. And he's like, look at what I've done. And it started. The prophecies began to move. And he started losing his mind. And Nebuchadnezzar literally lost his mind and became an insane maniac. And the Bible declares for seven seasons, this man that had it all. In a culture that that adored him. In a culture that that bowed to him. He became a wild, insane man. Naked in the wilderness. Eating grass and drinking pond water. Lost it all. And then one day, seven seasons later. He came to himself and he said, there's no doubting it now. Now. I denied you. I questioned you. I thought that it was all about me. But it's obvious. <laughs> I'm tired of eating grass. And I'm tired of drinking this old nasty rain water. You are the Lord. You control heaven and earth. And I ask for your grace. And God began to restore Nebuchadnezzar. And he gave him back his authority, his splendor, his majesty. He gave him back his kingdom. And he continued in that good, wholesome path thereafter. Here's your three I wills. And I want to just preach the heart that's beating in your chest right now. I want to preach you to these commitments. What do we learn from this story? The game plan, the play that you're going to have to play in today's culture. If you don't run the play that I'm about to give you, you will always be on defense. And you'll always be in the red zone on defense. And you'll always be panicking. And you'll always be thinking, when's the next score against me? When's the next painful blow that I'm going to take? I'm fixing to put you on offense. And I'm fixing to change your life forever. Here's three things I want you to promise. Stand with me real quick. Three things that I need you to take covenant with me on. You ready for the first one? Everyone say, I will will humble humble myself." myself. You know what the alternative of that is? God humbling you. You want to humble yourself. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up, James 4 and 10. Pride, it comes before the fall. And this preacher's come by on a September Sunday to tell you, I know you're self-adoring, and I know you're self-building, and I know you're self-indulging, and I know you think you've got it all together. And I know in this culture instagram and 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 facebook and 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 all these other forms of social media makes you look real good it makes you look like you've got a sharp edge on life but can i tell you something you better humble yourself in the presence of god or god will chop you down but thankfully even if you're here today and you've been chopped He'll never uproot you to the point that you're beyond restoration. If you're in this room right now and you feel like, like, like you've that you've been taken down a notch, can I tell you that's the grace of God in your life at work, and God wants to restore you? Here's your second I will. Everybody say I will. Acknowledge God. Guess what? The car you're driving, God gave it to you. This suit. I didn't buy it God gave it to me may have been my money and may have been in a retail store but God gave it to me and before any of you question it the vision that you're looking at me through God's giving you those eyes the breath in your lungs God gave you your breath the babies you're raising God gave you those babies Your, your gift of music you're not good enough to play that guitar but God in you is If you're going to survive in this culture, you better find out real quick how to humble yourself in the presence of God and you better start acknowledging God in all of your ways. Here's what 1 Corinthians says. What are you so puffed up about? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, then why act as though you have accomplished something on your own? You're not good looking enough to marry her. (laughs) Come on. God gave me that little hot mamacita. Acknowledge God. Here's your third one. And this is what we're going home on. This is what I want you to lift the roof about. Our worship team's gonna help us create the atmosphere. But we're not going to our cars without a moment of this. Everybody say, I will. I will. Exalt. God. Psalms 145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Why? Because the game plan for today's culture is to lower myself and to exalt the name of Jesus higher than any other name. Come on, everybody. Give us about three minutes. Let's worship together the name of Jesus. No! sake of your home and for the sake of your, of, of, of your sanity in the world we're living in, stay humble stay grateful unto God and acknowledge that all things good, they come from Him and anything in this life that, that you would like to categorize as, as not good, acknowledge that He's going to make it good for you Only God can take you through bankruptcy and take you back into the mountain of blessing. Only God can lead you through the shadow of the valley of of death. Only God can take you through divorce and heal your heart and who knows, maybe even give you another chance at love. Only God, only God can heal the sick. Change the direction of someone that's off course and put him or her on the right path. Acknowledge him every chance you get. And then, last, oh, guys, just spend your days exalting God. Here's why when you exalt yourself, you lower God. But when you exalt God, you lower yourself. It's a win win. So let's spend our days magnifying the name of Jesus and you'll find put that graphic up up for me again please the the game plan you'll find that if you run the route if you'll run that slant if you'll run that curl if you'll run the route you're going to find out God's got a touchdown with your name on it and he'll bless you richly so let's get off defense and quit panicking about the culture we're in I know it's crazy out there, but guess what? In here, all is well. Father, I bless my friends. I just bless them with a great week this week. I bless them in their homes and in their relationships. I bless them with their jobs, with their children. I bless them with their neighbors and their friends. Father God, I know that we're living in challenging days of confusion. But, Lord, we're not going to run and build a shelter and be weirdos. What we're going to do is we're just going to be salt and light. We're going to keep loving you and loving people. We can't control what people do. But we can, Lord, take authority over our own hearts and lives and homes and declare you as the Lord. I will. In the name of Jesus, I pray this done. Amen. Let's clap our hands before we go home today.